0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, all right? We're doing a short study. We're taking a break from our study in the book of Luke. And for the last uh, the last week, this week, and next week, we're studying out uh, the topic of spiritual gifts and understanding uh, spiritual gifts and their purpose. And we looked at this last week. And uh, so just kind of set the stage today so we are all on the uh, on the same page. 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the believers at the church at Corinth. If you'll remember with me, those of you that were here a little bit last week, but then especially in our series through 1 Corinthians um, about a year and a half, two years ago, if you were around, if not, that's okay. If you remember this, the believers at Corinth, uh, the Corinthian church, I'll just say it this way, they were messed up. Like, they were messed up. They, uh, Paul had gone there. Of course, Paul, the preacher of the gospel, he'd gone there, started this church. He had spent a year and a half ministering to these people, establishing a great work. God was just doing some great things. The church was moving forward. Paul moved. Paul left and continued on his evangelistic or missionary journeys where he would go and start churches. And then he hears, he hears word that the believers at Corinth um, were selfish, filled with pride, that they were causing divisions amongst themselves. They were, he actually wrote to them and he was like, you guys are arguing over, over which preacher you follow. Like, do you realize how immature that is? He's like, some are like, I'm of Apollos and others of I'm of Paul and some are I'm of Cephas. He was like, hey, you are all of Christ. Quit factionalizing, quit dividing. And so Paul writes to them the, the, the letter of 1 1 Corinthians. He writes it, it's a, it's a corrective letter. The first six chapters, he corrects them. The seventh chapter from seven to 14, he begins answering questions. But here's what we need to know in order to understand spiritual gifts as they're written about in the book of 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. We have to know this. The believers at Corinth were filled with pride on every level. They were they were prideful in their talents and skills. They were prideful in who they followed. They were prideful on if they uh, if they ate meat or didn't eat meat. When it came to spiritual gifts, they were prideful in spiritual gifting. And so Paul writes to them, and he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number one, he says to them, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I, I would not have you. I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, pause. Here's what we need to remember. The believers at Corinth, they were not ignorant of the fact that spiritual gifts existed. Paul wrote to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number seven, you come behind in no gift. What does that mean? You guys are a gifted church. You're gifted. They weren't ignorant of the existence of gifts. They were ignorant of how gifts should be used, the purpose of them. Now, the question then that someone here might have is like, pastor, what is a spiritual gift? Like you're talking about gifts, what is it? So we gave this working definition to spiritual gifts based upon what we see in scripture. A spiritual gift is a divine or a supernatural enablement given to us at salvation for the express purpose of glorifying God and serving others, to be employed or used specifically through his local church. So what is a spiritual gift? Well, the Bible talks about it this way, and Paul writes it. We saw it last week. Three simple thoughts about spiritual gifts. First, if you have Jesus Christ, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit of God. Once, once a person trusts Christ as Savior, hey, I made that decision. I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I ask him to forgive my sins, come into my life, save me. When you believe at that moment, Romans chapter eight, the Holy Spirit of God moves into your life. It's not progressionally, it's not in steps. It is at the moment of salvation. Jesus moved into you. Paul wrote it, uh, we'll write later to the Corinthians. He did that to make all things new from that moment on. Hey, aren't you thankful that when you trust Christ as Savior, God moves into your life? I've always said it this way. God never says change and then I'll accept you. God says, accept me and then I'll change you. That we have to remember that. God never says, okay, here's the steps of getting good. God says, you can't be good. So receive me and I will change you from the inside out. So if you have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Second thought we saw last week. If you have the Holy Spirit, then you have a spiritual gift now. There's a bunch of different spiritual gifts, and we talked about them last week, and I, for the sake of repetition, I can't go over them every week, but we divided the gifts up into three categories. Speaking gifts, that's like the gift of exhortation or encouragement. That would be like the gift of prophecy, a speaking gift to speak truth into someone's life, and we're going to talk about prophecy a little bit today. The gift of, uh, um, or there's speaking gifts, then there's serving gifts, Serving gifts would be like the gift of hospitality, uh, being able to make guests and people feel comfortable around you, the gift of giving, the gift of mercy. These are all serving gifts that God gives us in the church to use. And then there are sign gifts. Now, if you were here last week, and we'll we'll dive into this more in depth next week, but sign gifts were given to validate the message that the apostles or the uh, believers were preaching back then. Now, many sign gifts, and I believe all the sign gifts that you would look at, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, and the gift of tongues, those have passed off the scene. Why? Because now we use God's word to validate every message. I, I'm not going to get up and say, now I was, I was thinking this week and I had a dream. And in my dream, I have a word of encouragement for you from, just from God. It's never been revealed before. The Bible says that that doesn't happen anymore. Now, did it used to? Yes, it used to happen, but it doesn't anymore. Those are sign gifts. Okay, pastor, what does all of that have to do with this? My brain went on a rabbit trail, and I apologize. Speaking gifts, serving gifts, sign gifts. That's the three categories. Now, here's what you need to remember. If you've trusted Jesus as Savior, you have the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, when you got saved, God put into your life at least one gift. And you say, well, what is it? We'll help you discover that. We've talked about that. But that one gift, if you have a gift, the third thought we looked at last week is this. If you are gifted, then there is a purpose for you in God's church. Hey, God has a purpose for you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad to know God has a purpose with me. Why? Because the world's purpose for Dennis Fountain is not good right? Culture's purpose is to eat you up and spit you out. Politics' purpose is for you to vote for them and get them in office and then leave you in the dust. Hey, listen, the economy's purpose is for you to make another dollar so that you can promote something and help somebody else be rich. It profit. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help you uh, have longevity. It doesn't help you have happiness. It might give you a temporary happiness. But listen, God's purpose is what fulfills you and I from the inside out. And aren't you thankful that God says, hey, I'm not only have purpose with you, but I have a plan with you. And a lot of that starts with your spiritual gift. So when we come to the topic of spiritual gifts, don't think, well, that's good for everybody else, but not for me. No, 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 my friend. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit is in your life. And with the Holy Spirit came a spiritual gift. And with that spiritual gift comes incredible purpose. Now, as we start today and look at spiritual gifts, I've got to tell you a quick story about my dad. If I were to say my dad and gift giving, if I were to say my dad and gift giving, I guarantee you that my mom and sister sitting over here just go (laughs) and have a little snicker. Well, why? Because my dad didn't give gifts normal, like normal gifts, like when my dad gifted people stuff like for Christmas, you know what my dad literally did one year for Christmas? He gave my mom individually wrapped hangers. <laughs> True story. You know what else he got her one year? Clothespins, pins that you pin laundry up. For those of you that can remember that far back, for those of you that don't, ask later, what did you do before washers and dryers? Ask something like that. You know what else he gave her? Oven mitts for Christmas. You know what my dad gave me when I was like seven, eight, nine years old? Listen, my dad gave these things to me. A seven year old, he gave me t shirts. Not like t shirts are like fun t shirts, like white t shirts or black t shirts that you'd wear under your shirt. My dad's like, here, these are useful. You know what else my dad gave me when I was like 10? Drawer organizers. <laughs> I didn't even have an office or a desk. And my dad's like, hey, I saw it on sale, man. You can use it. Now, my dad gave bikes and stuff like that. But you know what my dad, my dad's thought always about gifts was this. I'm gonna give you something that's practical that can be used now, not just for you. So you know what I did this last year? Christmas came around. I called my sisters, Facetime both of them. And I was like, hey, I'm here at Walmart. They were like, what are you doing at Walmart? And they just stopped. Yep, I'm doing it. What are some things I could get mom that dad would have got her? And so this last year, you know what I got my mom for Christmas? Clothespins, oven mitts, and hand- dishwashing gloves. It's a great, it's a practical gift. Mom, you still using them? Yes. See, it's a great gift. Hey, listen, you say, Dennis, why do you bring that up this morning? Because of this truth, you know what? Normal people, like normal, not like my dad normal, normal people, when we give gifts, we give gifts so that people will like, like us right away and like what we gave them. I'm gonna give a, you know, I gave my kids a bike when they were little. Why? I want them to ride the bike right then and get on that bike and profit from it. You know, when God gives gifts, God doesn't give gifts that just benefit you. God gives gifts that are practical, that you can use right now that will benefit those around you. Oven mitts, do you know who they benefit? Yeah, that my mom's hands didn't get burned when she pulled stuff out of the oven, but it benefited us, why? Because she was cooking, she was using them. When God gifted you, spiritually speaking, he put in your life a practical and beneficial gift. The church at Corinth, they were missing it. So here's what we're gonna look at today. We're gonna to look at a few simple decisions that we can make that will help our gifts be most beneficial. I don't know about you, but I want to. If God gave me a practical and beneficial gift, I want to know how can I use it so that it really benefits not only me but the people around me. How could I use my gift to help Moses Lake Baptist Church? And I hope you want to know that as well. So we start this morning with one verse. Stand with me if you would. First Corinthians chapter twelve and verse number thirty-one. 1 Corinthians chapter twelve, verse number thirty-one. Here's the. Words we read today, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Here's what we're going to discover today is that gifts are practical and gifts are more beneficial, but if we don't know how to use them, if we don't know how to use them, we miss it. So what could we do in our life? What steps could we take to make sure that our spiritual gifts are the most beneficial for those around us? That's what we're gonna look at briefly this morning. Let's pray and ask God to help us today with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you take a minute and just in the quietness of your own heart, would you pray and would you ask God, God, help me today, help me today to hear from you. God, help me today to see what decisions I could make that would help my gifts be most beneficial for you and for your church. Dear Lord, we come before you. We thank you for the word of God. We pray this morning that you would help us. I pray, God, that as we make our way through this passage, that you would give uh, my mind clarity. Lord, that you would help each one of us to understand, to humbly receive. And Lord, that as we go through the service this morning, that you would use every single word to honor and glorify your name and to encourage each of our hearts. We love you and we thank you for what you're gonna do. I pray, Lord, if there's someone here that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, whether they're here in person or maybe watching online today, if there's someone that does not know you as their savior, I pray that today would be the day they receive you, that they find out where they'll spend eternity. Bless our time. We love you it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> we left off last week in 1st Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 25. And so we're going to pick up today in verse number 24 here in just a minute. But here's what we need to see today that our gifts, first of all, spiritual gifts are most beneficial in a Christian's life and in a church when unity is present. Spiritual gifts are most beneficial when unity is present. What is unity? Same goal, same priorities, same direction. Notice the verse if you will we started with this last week. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse number seven, here's what Paul said. He said, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit is made known in the, the Christian's life and everybody should profit from that. Right after this, if you were here last week, right after this, Paul goes into an illustration about the church and he compares the church to a body. A human body. And remember last week, those of us that were here, how Paul writes and he says, Hey, listen, you know, if the body was just one big giant nose, like one nose, I'm I'm picturing a nose with two little legs walking around, a nose and two legs, you know, where would the hearing be? If the body was one giant foot, where would the touch be? If it was one giant hand, where would you go? That's what Paul writes about. Why does he do this? Because he wants us to understand there's diversity. We'll see it in a second. But a body has a goal. Like, do you know Dennis today? This hand and this hand, they're gonna work together, hopefully, hopefully. That's what Paul writes about. And notice what he says as we continue looking at unity being present. Paul says this in verse 24. For our comely parts have no need, but God, he hath tempered or put, brought the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part, that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body. That's schism, division. Paul said, listen, and if you were here last week, we talked about it. There's some uncomely parts of the body. Like what? Feet. Right? I talked about it last week. Never gone, I've never, no one's ever come up to me when I'm barefoot and been like, man, you have some handsome feet. <laughs> but I like shoes, and someone would come up and say, hey, nice shoes. What do we do? We put honorable things on stuff, you know, on body parts that we're like, yeah, I want you to see my feet. But we even do that with other body parts. We put rings on fingers. Here's what we talked about last week Jesus was never enamored by popularity. Right, Jesus was never like, wow, look at you. You're amazing with the priests and all that stuff. He was never starstruck. You know what instead Jesus pointed out? He pointed out the widow with two mites. He healed the leper who everybody else passed over. Why would we talk about this? Because that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, we put importance upon big things. God says, that doesn't matter to me. God says, I put importance upon individuals. No matter who you are, you matter to the Lord. And I do this in the church so that there's no schism, no division, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And notice what he says. Whether one suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body. You are united together as the body of Christ and your members in particular. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, quit being divided. Church at Corinth, you're getting in schisms and factions and arguments. Be in unity. And our spiritual gifts, our spiritual gifts are most beneficial when unity is present. I love how one man said it when he said it this way. Spiritual gifts are not for individual enjoyment, but for corporate employment. It's not for just one person looking good. It's for the church growing together. What is that? That's unity. Isn't it true that unity should be in every part of the local church? Hey, listen, every part of the local church should have unity. Churches are most beneficial when every single group, every single part, every single Christian within the church have the same goal and the same priorities and the same desires and the same focus. That's why I wanna always encourage people, any single person who wants to talk with me about any area of the church, I wanna help everybody say, hey, with me, with Dennis Fountain, you know what I need to do? I need to step back every now and then. And say, all right, how are all of our ministries working toward one goal? How are we all operating? How is every Christian moving toward one goal? Unity has to be key. And the same is true in your life and mine in every aspect of the Christian church. Spiritual gifts, they are most beneficial when unity is present. Number two, spiritual gifts are most beneficial when diversity is embraced. All right, when diversity is embraced. Embraced. Notice how Paul continues. He says, And God hath set some. Remember that phrase because that means God placed them in. God has set some in the church. First, apostles, secondarily, prophets, thirdly, teachers, after that, miracles, then the gift of healing, helps, government, diversity of tongues. Now, notice verse 29. Are all apostles? The answer is emphatically, no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have the gift of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer to all those questions is no. Why is Paul doing that? He's helping us understand that the church is diverse. And isn't it good for a church to be diverse? Hey, listen, if you always walk into a church and you only find yourself in an echo chamber, you're in the wrong place. If you walk into a church and you only see people who are just like you, you're in the wrong place. If you walk in the church and you only find people who minister the same way as you, you're in the wrong place. Why? Because the church is supposed to be diverse, and I'm not just talking about walks of life or ethnicity or anything like that. No, no, no. Every aspect of the church is supposed to be diverse, and here's what Paul writes to them. Spiritual gifting is no different. Is everybody an apostle? Well, no. He just wrote about all the body parts. What is he saying? Hey, listen. Listen, Christian. Every believer, I love this thought, every believer is not gifted in everything, but every believer is gifted in something. So stop looking at what you don't have and start using what you do have for the Lord. That's where verse 28 comes in, God hath said. Do you know what we do as Christians? Listen, this is to Dennis Fountain just as much as it is to you because we are all prone to this thought of pride and being driven by pride. And all too often in Dennis's life, you know what Dennis does? Dennis looks over at somebody and says, man, I wish I was like them. I wish I could do that. I wish I, man, I, I, I could maybe look at somebody in our church. Maybe you think about uh, Pastor Brian. Pastor Brian, if you know Pastor Brian, he's got the gift of teaching. And I could look at Pastor Brian and think, man, I wish I could have the gift of teaching like him. You might look at somebody and say, man, I wish I could have the gift of hospitality like them. I wish I could have the gift of giving or encouragement or mercy or whatever it is. I wish I could do it like them. Here's what Paul says. Stop it. Here's why. And I hope you caught it. I think I said this phrase last week. Since we have two services now, I don't remember what phrases I say in what service. So (laughs) if I didn't say it in this one, I'm sorry. Come to the 830. That's all I'm saying. Here's what I was going to say. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we look around and we wish we had what somebody else has, or we wish we didn't have what we have. Do you know what we do? Do you know what we're doing? Do you know what's at the root of that when we wish we were different? Here's what's at the root pride that says, God, you were wrong and I'm right. You see, because the Bible says, God hath set. What does that mean? God put us here. God brought you here. God has purpose. God has a desire. God has a a goal, and he wants unity. But diversity is a good thing. So be glad that you don't do everything like everybody else. Be glad that everybody doesn't do exactly what you do. Diversity is one of those things that if, if it's done right, it can help. If it's done wrong, it will do damage. Found a quote this week. Diversity leads to disunity when members compete with one another. But diversity leads to unity when the members care for one another. Hey, diversity is a good thing when I'm not comparing. Diversity is a good thing when I'm caring. <laughs> that's what the that's what Paul wrote to the believers just a few chapters before this when he said we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. What's all that mean? Quit looking outside of you and comparing everybody. That is not wisdom. Wisdom says, I embrace, I embrace diversity. I'm glad that there are people in here that are stronger at the gift of mercy than Dennis Fountain. I'm glad there are people here that are stronger at the gift of giving than Dennis Fountain. I'm glad that there's some people here who are stronger in the area of encouragement than Dennis Fountain. Why should we should be glad about that? Now, do we ever just throw up our hands and say, fine, then I'll just be who I am and forget it? No, the Bible says, covet all the gifts. Hey, I should desire to excel and to be, I should desire to be giving and merciful and grow. I should desire that, but it's not a comparison. So what are we seeing today? Spiritual gifts are most beneficial when unity is present, when diversity is embraced. But then third, and I believe this is key, is when love is primary, Hey, spiritual gifts are really beneficial when love is primary. Do you notice the verse that we started at? First Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 31. Here's what Paul says. And yet I show unto you a more excellent way. So what is he getting at? The word more excellent. It means more beneficial, more extravagant, better than. But here's, here's a really cool thought about it. The word more excellent, if I had a ball, if I had a baseball or a football right here and we were outside and I just took a couple steps and I just threw that ball and I threw that ball further than anybody has ever thrown a ball. Like, I mean, and I could probably do it. I know you guys are thinking I could. I probably could, but no, I'm kidding. You know what, if I went out there and I just threw that ball and it sailed. I mean, it sailed 150, 200 yards You would step back and go, wow, that is further than anybody's ever thrown a baseball. That is further than anybody's ever thrown a football. Here's what Paul is saying. The phrase, a more excellent way, it means this. If you want your spiritual gift to go further than ever, I'm gonna show you how to make that happen. There is a better way. There is a further reaching way to employ your spiritual gift. And he goes into the chapter that many people call the love chapter. You know what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about? You have spiritual gifts. Great job. How you doing at loving people? (laughs) That's what Paul says. So spiritual gifts are most beneficial when love is present, when love is primary. Paul talks about first when love is missing. All right, stay with me. We're gonna do some teaching as we go through this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Here's what Paul says. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now, remember with me the gift of tongues. This is the gift to be able to speak a language that you have not previously learned. It is a language that is known. 1 Corinthians 14 speaks to that. It's a language that is known. Somebody will recognize it. Somebody will say, that is my language. How do, I didn't know you knew Spanish. I didn't know you knew French. I didn't know you knew Chinese. And you say, I, I don't. That's the gift of tongues. Here's what Paul says. If I had the gift of tongues, like I could speak every language. Matter of fact, Paul goes further. If I could even speak a language that only the angels understood, if I did that, but I did not have charity, the word charity is agape love. If I spoke every language, but I didn't have love, look what he says. I'm become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I'm like a tambourine just making racket. I'm like cymbals just clanging against each other. You know what that is? It's just obnoxious. Here's what Paul says if you serve God with your spiritual gifts, no matter what it is, without love, you're just obnoxious. God looks at it and says, that's just obnoxious racket. Verse two what else happens when love is missing? What if I have the gift of prophecy? Okay, remember the gift of prophecy in Paul's day, the gift of prophecy was foretelling that which had not been revealed right? They didn't have the completed word of God. They couldn't just pull things. I mean, Paul never got up and said, all right, open your Bibles to John, you know, chapter 12. Paul never did that. They would get up and Paul would say, I have a word from the Lord. And he would give a prophecy and also words of knowledge. Those two go hand in hand to reveal something that has not been given. Here's what Paul says. I wonder if I had the gift of all prophecy, if I understood all the mysteries there are about God, if I had all knowledge, and even if I had all faith, Man, faith is listed as a spiritual gift. If I had all faith so that I could remove mountains, like if I knew it all and I could do it all, but if I don't have charity, look what he says. I am, what's the word? Nothing. I am nothing. <laughs> hey, you think you're that great because you can do and know and all this stuff. If you do it without love, you're nothing. When love is missing, you're just obnoxious, When love is missing, it's empty, it's nothing. Notice verse number three. What if I had the gift of giving? I could bestow all my goods and feed the poor. And I could even give my body to be burned. I could be a martyr. I could sell everything that I have, give it all. As a matter of fact, Paul said, I'll just give my life. If I do that and have not charity, look at what it does. It profits me nothing. What is Paul saying? If you miss love, you miss it all. You could be the most gifted but not loving, you missed it. You could be the most talented but not loving, you missed it. Boy, I I tell you what, if if I'm hearing this, I wanna tune in and say, all right, so, so what does it look like when love is present? What does it look like when love is present? Here's what Paul says. Charity suffers long. What is that, charity suffers long? Well, how do you respond when unloving people are around you? Are you still loving them? Does your love last? A short fuse and love do not coexist. Charity is kind. Kindness is an attitude that is chosen. Kindness is a predetermined decision that has goodwill for others. Charity envieth not. What is that? Envieth not. Envy is that strong and selfish desire for me to have what God has given to someone else. One man said the, the twin sister of envy is strife and they always go together because when you envy, you will strive. Strife follows envy because I will do whatever it takes to tear someone else down. Love, charity vaunteth not itself. That means it's not at the head of the parade. Charity is not puffed up to be consumed with oneself, not boastful, filled with pride. Charity doth not behave itself unseemly. That phrase, behave itself unseemly, it means to to be rude or unbecoming. This is is that person that says, well, I just speak my mind and you'll just have to take it. If you don't like it, then tough. Well, here's what Paul is writing. Love's not that way. Love's not rude. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Doth not seek her own. Is not self-promoting. Love doesn't constantly bring the conversation back around to them. <laughs> you ever been around someone like that? I mean, you could be talking about something that's way out in the I mean, just talking about something in outer space, and they're like, Yeah, you know what? One time, one time I and they bring themselves back to the center of the conversation. Is not easily provoked like Jesus. Jesus was reviled, yet he reviled not again. It says, Love is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. What does this mean? Well, love doesn't keep account of all the wrong that's been done to it. Rejoice is not in iniquity. It's not celebrate when those that uh, fail, when they fail, love doesn't celebrate that fail. Especially maybe somebody that's done you wrong. You ever had that in your mind? Oh, I'm just preaching to me right now. You know what I do sometimes? I see somebody that has done me wrong, get their comeuppance, and there's a little part of Dennis that goes, <laughs> yes! You know what God says? That's not love. That's not love. Instead, love rejoices in the truth, bears all things. Puts a roof over, protects, guards, believes all things, chooses the best, hopes all things. That's a confident expectation. Love endures all things. That's a consistency to keep moving forward. Hey, here's what Paul is getting at it is love that enriches the gift and really gives it true value and benefit. You can do anything in the Christian life. And if you do it without love, Paul says it is pointless. The primary function of the Christian's life boils down, and we'll see it again at the end of the message, to two things. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Here's what Paul is saying. You can talk a lot. You can know a lot. You can accomplish a lot. Hey, Moses Lake Baptist Church, we could have a very spiritually gifted church family. We could have the best youth ministry, the best growth groups, the best children's ministries, the best music, the best hospitality, put on the best uh, barbecues and outreaches. We could have the best teaching, the best preaching. We could build a new building. We could do all of this stuff. And here's what Paul says. In any area of your Christian life, and specifically the area of spirituality, spiritual gifting, when you do all this stuff and I do all this stuff without love, it's pointless. So what is it that we should remember? Here's what we need to remember about love. This is not a to-do list of love. It's not like, oh, you find yourself rejoicing in somebody else doing evil. Well, you better try harder. Try harder. No, here's the key thought that we need to remember. Remember? If you look into your life and you find yourself lacking and deficient in areas of love, here's what you need to do. Run to the one who is love. It's not just performing more. When you find yourself deficient in any area of love, hey, run to the one who is love. God, I'm not loving like you. I wanna, God, I want to be around you more. And as you and I spend time, more time around the Lord, as we spend time developing our walk with the Lord, you know what God does? He helps us love people in a greater way. Hey, spiritual gifts, they are most beneficial when unity is present, when diversity is embraced, when love is primary. But thirdly, or fourthly and lastly today is when maturity is at work. When maturity is at work. We're gonna read the last few verses of 1 Corinthians 8. Don't get caught up in the minutia of all of the wording. We'll get we'll break it all down in just a minute, but here's what he says. Charity never faileth. Now, remember that phrase, that is a key phrase going into the rest of the verses. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, the word prophecies here, remember, their spiritual gift of foretelling something that had not been revealed, it says they shall fail. That word fail, it means to change in operation. That's what the word means. So, hey, prophecy as we know it, it's going to change in operation. And then he says, tongues, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. The word cease here, it means to put to rest. It means to desist. It means to stop. All right, prophecy is going to change in operation. Tongues are going to stop. Knowledge, when he says this, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. The word vanish away is the same as the word fail. It means to change in operation. So prophecy is going to change in operation. Tongues are going to vanish. Knowledge is going to change in how it's used. And then notice what he says. For we know in part, partially. We partially know and we partially prophesy. Then he says this. And when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part or partial shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly or like a fogged mirror, but then face to face, now in part; but then shall I know even as also I am known. And, the, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Here's the overlying concept that Paul is getting at. Love is permanent while gifts have a shelf life. Love is permanent while gifts have a shelf life. Now here's, excuse me, here's what he says. If you're looking at the passage, Paul says this. At the time of my writing, we're looking at prophecies partially. We're looking at knowledge partially. We have the gift of tongues. Remember, it validated the message. Paul says, there's coming a time, verse 10, When that which is perfect is come. When that comes, those things in partiality will either change in operation or they'll disappear, they'll go away. So here's the question. We're gonna do a little lesson. Everybody still with me? Do a little lesson this morning. What is that which is perfect? What is he talking about? Now, there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of thoughts out there about this. I'm gonna share with you my take, my thought about it. If you look at the word perfect there, the word "perfect" in the Greek is a neuter in, in the neuter tense. What is that? Well, Pastor Great, what's that mean? It's neither masculine nor feminine. It is neuter. It's in the middle. So it cannot be speaking of an individual. It cannot be speaking of an individual. So it's speaking of something, all right? A something created, not a being. Does that make sense? It says, when that which is perfect, whatever this is, is come, then prophecy is going to change, knowledge is going to change, and tongues are going to be done away with. And also, here's what's going to happen. He said, right now, we see darkly. We, you, ever gotten out, you ever gotten out of the shower, and you're trying, you know, guys, you're trying to shave. Ladies, you're trying to put your makeup on, and the, the mirror's all fogged up. You're like wiping it and it still fogs up. Wipe it again, it still fogs. Finally, you're like, oh, open the door, get cold, you know, whatever else. And then you let that clear. Here's what you're looking at. You're looking darkly. You see an image, but you can't really take it. You can't really make it out. Okay, you're still with me. We're gonna go on a really fun journey. In the book of Numbers, here's what happens. In the book of Numbers, um, God writes that God spoke to Prophets dimly, darkly. So, you know what the prophets of the Old Testament were doing? They were prophesying about things to come that they really didn't understand. Right? The Isaiah, Ezekiel, they're prophesying about end times they don't really understand. It's it's like looking in a mirror with fog on it. But here's what God says about Moses in the Old Testament that God spoke to Moses as a man speaks face-to-face. Now, if you and I think face-to-face, then we think I'm face-to-face with Shalane. Right here, we're face-to-face. But that phrase actually means to see more clearly. You know what God did with Moses? God wiped the fog off the mirror. Moses was able to see more clearly. Okay, still with me? When the Hebrew Bible was translated into the Septuagint, That's the Greek Hebrew Bible back when they were there. Paul used the phrasing that's written about in Numbers and Exodus to describe this thought here. Here's what Paul is writing to the believers at Corinth. Right now, during my time of writing this, Paul writes, I am seeing like the prophets before Moses and the prophets even after Moses. We're seeing fog on a mirror. But something is going to come That is going to help us see more clearly. Does that make sense? So then we ask the question okay, well, what is Paul writing about? We prophesy in part, we know in part. They did not have completed prophecies, they did not have the big picture. Do you know what you and I have right now? We have the Bible that gives us the big picture. So if that which is perfect is not referring to male or female, it's referring to something, when it is complete, the word perfect just means mature or complete. When that is completed, prophecy will change in how it's used, and that's happened, because now I get up every week and I reveal that which has already been revealed. Prophecy is changing, knowledge changes, And the gift of tongues cease. Why? Because now we use scripture to validate a message. So you would say, well, pastor, why did we take that journey? Here's why we take the journey. Because Paul is making this point that he makes in verse number 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I thought as a child, I went through all my life as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Here's what he's saying to the believers you are immature. He's like, you're you're excited that you prophesy in part and have tongues and all this stuff. He was like, but you wanna know what you really are? You're like a child. Because you've missed it, verse number 13, because love is what lasts. Faith, hope, charity, these three abide, but love is what's going to last. Here's what Paul is helping them understand, that maturity approaches the Christian life completely different. Hey, maturity, when a a mature Christian approaches the Christian life, here's what they say. I don't care what spiritual gift you have. I'm going to love you. Maturity in the Christian life says I don't have to be first. Maturity in the Christian life says I don't have to be key. Maturity in the Christian life says it doesn't have to be my way. Maturity says, you know what? I'm going to love God and I'm going to love people regardless of the cost. Paul is talking about the maturity of a Christian believer. Hey, there are going to be some gifts that you guys are all excited about, Church of Corinth. You're all excited. Wow, look at me in the gift of tongues. Wow, look at me in the gift of prophecy. Wow, check me out in the gift of knowledge. Paul's like, hey, shelf life. But love is never gonna end. Did you actually know when we get to heaven, faith will be gone? Why? Faith will be made sight. Hope, earnest expectation, gone. Why? Because hope will be made sight. When we're in heaven, love, it ain't going nowhere. Isn't it interesting then that God breaks the entire Christian life down to two phrases, love God, love people. All of the Christian life, love God, love people. So, all right, pastor, what do I do with this? I'm all, I'm all for unity. Spiritual gifts are most beneficial when unity is present. I'm all for unity. I love people who embrace diversity, totally for it. Spiritual gifts, most beneficial when diversity is embraced. I'm all for maturity. Man, we all need, have areas we need to grow up in because spiritual gifts are most beneficial when maturity is taking place. But I want to tell you this today as we wrap up. All of those things are a result when love is foundational. When I love people, I'm going to be unified with them. When I love people, I'm going to embrace diversity of them. When I love people, I'm going to be growing with them. Don't overcomplicate the Christian life. Don't get caught up on all the arguments. Don't get caught up on the he said, she said. Don't get caught up on well, they think. No, hey, listen, what did God do to show you his care for you? He sent his son, and the Bible says he did it because of love. You want to know why Paul could write this? Because Paul had experienced the love of God himself. And if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, if you've experienced the love of God, the questions you need to be asking yourself today are these, am I manifesting the love of God? Is God loving people through me? Or am I the guy like the believers at Corinth?